this week on the Backtable Podcast. Are we going to say no or are we going to decline patients and we can't do any procedures just because there is no window or it's not possible? I think we can push the limits of our specialty and the percutaneous procedures that we do every day and help more patients and we can push the boundaries of our specialty. What I love about this technology is it gives me the power to do procedures that are not possible with conventional ways. To me, it's the mindset of interventional radiology and that's why I love these new technologies. Welcome to the Backtable Podcast, your source for all things interventional and endovascular. You can find all previous episodes of our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and on backtable.com. I'm your host, Dr. Ali Behetti. I'm coming to you from Tacoma, Washington. My guest today is a friend of the show, officially. I think now we can call you that, Marve. Dr. Marve Ozen. She's an assistant professor of radiology, surgery, obstetrics, and gynecology at the University of Kentucky. Marve, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's always an honor to be part of the Backtable community. Our topic today is advanced needle guidance and specifically focusing on the Percunav system. Our podcast today is kind of based off a lecture that Dr. Ozen gave at the SEAS meeting this year. So how did you get picked to talk about this subject in the first place? I received an invitation from the team. I don't know how the connections were made, but I think it may be because of the previous presentations and publications. Yeah. Well, for the uninitiated kind of what is fusion software? It is called a 3D ultrasound image fusion and navigation system. And this system allows us to fuse different imaging modalities like CT, MR, PETs, CT and ultrasound. And every imaging technique has their own advantages and disadvantages. By using this fusion and 3D navigation, we're able to combine the advantages of these different imaging techniques, which allows us to have more precise and more accurate procedures. And it also decreases radiations and it allows us to access areas that are not possible with conventional techniques. Okay, cool. So um, give me kind of an example of when you would use this in your clinical practice. I like to use the 3D fusion and navigation systems for percutaneous procedures like ablations, drain placements, or difficult biopsies. And it's a advanced imaging technique. I don't use it for every, every case. So if there is a straightforward case that I can do it within a couple of minutes, I do not use it for that case. But in the beginning of the training and learning, I was using it to get into the details and get more efficient with it. But right now, I keep it for the difficult cases. Okay. Do you mind walking me through kind of a recent example case that you've done? Of course. The most important part of the procedure is the device setup, and it's mostly done by our technologists. And during the initial learning process, the company helps us to have a good workflow and it trains us and our technologists. So the setup starts with uploading the existing cross-sectional images to the ultrasound machine. This could be images from a month ago 
are images that you obtain right on the CT table. And after that, we connect the field generator and a tool connection unit cable to the corresponding ports. So there is a small device that connects the cables and these little sensors on the patient's body to the ultrasound machine. And then we need a trajectory planning. For the trajectory planning, we need to place patient trackers on bony landmarks. These are three small sensors that you place on the patient to get a 3D assessment of the body. And the field generator is almost like a satellite that goes over the patient, almost like five inch above the patient. And it gives that information that are obtained from the sensors. The sensors, do they always go on the same place on every patient? It doesn't have to go on the same spots, but it generally gives an X, Y, Z axis information. So we need to make sure that they are not overlapping. So the machine can get a idea of where the patient's front, side, and back is. So it's very easy to apply. Just make sure that doesn't overlap with each other and they have to be close to the field generator. And all these cables and everything is connected to a small box and that small box is connected to the ultrasound machine. And after that, after we set up everything and upload our imaging, we plan our procedure. For fusion and navigation, these are two different applications that is provided by the Perkinev. And I'm going to continue with the navigation. The navigation gives us the information of the CAT scan by using the ultrasound machine. So it may be difficult to understand, but basically you use a small needle tracker attached to your needle and you scan the patient with that needle tracker. And when you look at the screen, you don't see the ultrasound images, but you see CT images just like ultrasound angles. So you can go up and down and see different angles and you can see the lesions that you're not able to see with the ultrasound images where the the sound waves can't penetrate. Okay. I'm kind of getting it. So that's like, do you still have a, do you have a needle in place in the patient yet or? So there is, we haven't prepped the patient yet. We haven't cleaned the patient. We haven't sterilized the patient yet. We are just planning at this moment. So a patient has three sensors on them, and we have a pen-like structure in our hands, almost looks like a needle, and we're going to plan and find our spot to plan our trajectory, and then we're going to use the same spot to advance our needle. So while our planning, we see CT images from very different angles. Wherever you angle, you can see the T-section in a multi like a 3d image and you can see the axial view of it coronal or sagittal view of it and once you find a spot straight to the lesion straight to your target you will see a round circle and you need to place your target within that circle and you will see a cross lines that should align with the lesion so that's our entry point. We mark that entry point and then we prep the patient. Then for the needle navigation, 
we use a hub tracker. So there are different needles. We're going to talk about that. The one that I use is the hub tracker. So we're going to detach that mock needle and we're going to place our needles after covering that hub tracker with a sterile ultrasound cover. Then after prepping the patient, we're going to place our needle exactly how we place a tiny mock needle that we used prior to the prepping. And then by looking at the screen, we're going to target the lesion by using the same angle. And we're going to keep that lesion within that circle and the cross lines are going to align with the lesion. And while we're advancing the needle, we're going to see that circle getting smaller and smaller. And once we're in the target, that circle is going to be as small as the lesion. And with this hub tracker, you may have a few millimeters or up to one centimeter difference in the target and the needle. So you need to check yourself and check the location. So if you're targeting a bigger lesion, that doesn't make any difference. But if you are targeting a one centimeter lesion, then you may need to adjust your needle by confirming with a CT or ultrasound machine. Okay, so that's just one of the limitations of the NAV is it can only be accurate within one centimeter. If you're using a hub tracker, but there are needles that have the tracker at the tip of the needle. I believe I haven't used them, but they are more accurate but they have their disadvantages. I haven't used them. They might be more expensive. That's why maybe we're not using them. But this system allows me to use any needle I want and the needles that I'm used to. So I like the system. And one thing that we need to pay attention during the procedure is the patient's breathing. Or if there is an anesthesia involved with the case, the diaphragm, for instance, for the lesions in the liver, the diaphragm's shape changes. So you may need to get a fresh CT on the table for those kind of scenarios. But for fusion, it's a different thing. So there are two different applications. One is a fusion, the other is navigation. Okay. All right. So we just talked about navigation and now we're going to switch over to fusion. Tell me a little bit about the fusion. Fusion is basically combining and overlaying the MRI or PET-CT images on ultrasound images. Let's say you have a lesion that you can't see with ultrasound, but you can see it on MRI. The application allows the MRI images matching with the ultrasound images by using vessel landmarks. And it takes like one or two minutes and it's after they align, you can see the lesion exactly where it's located on ultrasound. So if you're going to do a biopsy or ablation, and it's difficult to see with directly ultrasound or even on CAT scan, you can use this application to increase your accuracy and you can be more confident that you are within the lesion. And for other thing that you can use it for, it's like, for instance, there are lesions that has more uptake in certain location. And we usually use our experience to find that location and use landmarks. So if you want to be more accurate, more confident, you can use the fusion and target those areas that are active on PET imaging. All right. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that's a really useful application, especially if you're trying to help with a biopsy based on a prior PET scan. So you mentioned that kind of one of the limitations is breathing, right? Have you noticed any other limitations when using this software? Yes. So in places where bones, like where the organs don't move, like bones or 
muscles, I haven't seen any problems. But for livers, you need to be more careful for liver or splenic lesions. You need to be more careful how you insert the needle. So if you're inserting in certain breathing pattern, you need to instruct a patient. So if you want to tell them like, okay, I'm going to ask to ask you to hold your breath at this point. So while I'm advancing, I make sure the patient holds their breath exactly how we get the imaging during the CAT scan. And for anesthesia cases, I find it much easier to scan on the table and then upload the images right away instead of using a previously obtained images because I think the breathing changes and the shape of the diaphragm changes. And this is for navigation again. Am I understanding correctly that you can only use these for like solid organ lesions? Like, for example, do you think it'd be a good option for lung biopsies or anything like that? I use it for lung biopsies as well. Of course, I think, especially for lesions, small lesions hiding behind the ribs. I think it's a great application and I use it and it was very helpful. And I think one area that I had trouble is the liver. And I think the more you do it, you get a better understanding how to navigate those little things during the procedure. Okay, yeah. I also saw that you um, use them kind of for drain placements and things like that. Could you walk me through a situation where it'd be useful? Yes. So there are areas in the body that is super difficult. For instance, some pelvic fluid collections, there are arteries and different vessels and bowels on the way. And in some cases, we have to say, oh, there is no window for this case to be done. So in those areas, I love to give another option to the patients because if we don't treat these patients, the infection goes worse and they their hospital stay increases. So it's really, really difficult to manage those kind of cases. So whenever I get a difficult drain placement consult, I look at the CT and do some reconstructions. And if I find a safe window between the skin to the lesion, to the collection, one straight line without any nerves, vessels, or bowel, I can use only one line to place that drain. So for instance, we had a pelvic fluid collection in the posterior pelvic cavity, and there was one window that I can find, but it was like almost 45 degrees angle. And well, <laughs> And there are iliac arteries on the way, so it makes it super risky. But yeah, with this system, after the setup, it took like a minute to place the drain. Once you do all the setup, the procedure, any interventional radiologist will do any procedure needle placement with this system within a couple of minutes. I think anyone can use it. It's very, very helpful for the difficult cases, especially. Cool. I wanted to talk a little about the learning curve and kind of some of the growing pains you experienced when you first introduced this product. So yeah, so tell me a little bit about, I mean, how many cases did you have to do before you felt proficient with it? Usually the learning curve consists of two main steps. One is adapting the functional workflow and the setup. After you do three cases, I think you'll be good. And for the setup, the company offers educational materials and they come and support you. And once everybody sets up the positioning of the device and where we stand and everything, and if you can create a guideline so every can, everyone can follow the same thing over and over again, it's very easy to use. 
and we have great ultrasound and CT technologists. I don't know if I'm allowed to give names, but um, <laughs> of course, well, you could, yeah, I, of course. I want to thank Wes, Brandy, Tyler, Chris, and they are really great and they always help us and they're very eager to learn because there is a big part that they take care of. And if they're not eager to do it, it will be very difficult for the interventional radiologist to do the procedure. How were you able to sell this to your hospital as an important purchase for them? And then could you also speak a little bit about the capital equipment requirements for these cases? Mm -hmm. The first time I saw this machine was when I was a fellow and I saw that field generator in a corner and there were some white coats over it and nobody was using it. So once I started working here in Kentucky, when we were obtaining the Epic ultrasound devices, this was also bought as part of the purchase. I wasn't involved with that part, but I was very excited to see the potential of this device. So, and during that time, we received the training and you need the Philips Epic or one, there's one more ultrasound machine that is compatible with these 3D navigation and fusion systems that you need the additional needle tracker and the field generator. And these are all the things that you need. Yeah, that's not that much because if, especially if you already have the ultrasound machine in place, let's talk about the different types of needle tracking technology. The needle tracking technology, and there are three different types of needles that we can use in this technology. One is the coaxial needles. These are tip track. The other is adaptive needle tracker, which is the one that we use. And there is another one, which is also tip track. It's called Civco E-Tracks. And the coaxial needles are single use. They're 13 gauge to 20 gauge. And an adaptive needle tracker, a tiny little piece that has a clip on it. You can just attach it to any needle between 10 gauge to 18 gauge. And the other tip track needle is the Civco needle, which has 12 to 18 gauge sizes. Okay. Are there any kind of like special things that operators should know about, about the different types of needles and which is good in which situation? Yes. For up-track needle tracker system, there is a, the target, you can just, you may have some kind of deviation when you're using it. So you need to confirm your location very well before doing your treatment or advancing more advancing your wire. I haven't used the coaxial or Civco systems yet, but I know that they are more accurate. I see. Okay. Well, what are some of the future areas of application you see for this device? I see this technology allowing us doing more radiationless procedures, especially in the MSK area for bone and pain interventions. And for PEDS patients, I think it has a lot of advantage because we can use the existing images and we don't have to apply more radiation so we can save the PEDS patients from radiation. Yeah, that's such a good point. Yeah. Yeah. And decreased number of rebiopsies. Patients don't have to go through another biopsy if we can get enough samples from the active areas during the like or enhanced areas that we can see in MRI or PET CT. Mm, yeah. And in rural areas, I think this imaging technique can help a lot when there's no CAT scan. You can obtain a CAT scan and bring those images and do procedures that are not possible without a CAT scan. That's such a good point. Yeah. So so you, you can do these cases basically without any advanced cross-sectional imaging, just with ultrasound 
I mean, can you even do that for like lung biopsies? I know we talked about lung biopsies before, but I mean, that just blows my mind. For an adaptive needle tracker, you still need to confirm your location. So if you're able to confirm your location with ultrasound imaging, if the lesion is in a certain size, then I think it's doable. Wow. That, that'd be really a, a game changer for a lot of things. Any other advice for folks who are looking to incorporate this into their practice? Yes. So the main question is when you're buying this device or thinking to obtain it for your institution is, are we going to say no or are we going to decline patients and we can't do any procedures just because there is no window or it's not possible? And I think we can push the limits of our specialty and the percutaneous procedures that we do every day and help more patients and we can push the boundaries of our specialty. And what I love about this technology is it gives me the power to do procedures that are not possible with conventional ways. And to me, it's the mindset of interventional radiology. And that's why I love these new technologies. And I don't have any conflicts, so I can talk however <laughs> I want. <laughs> Yeah, I guess we should have done a disclosures at the beginning, but good to hear yeah, you, not, you're not, uh, not invested in this device. <laughs> no disclosures, yes. I just love to use it. Awesome, awesome. How many, you do X amount of cases in a week of biopsies, let's say, what percentage would you say you do with this technology? In the beginning, I was doing a lot more, but right now it decreased just for the difficult cases and depending on how many difficult cases we do. But in the beginning, I was using it a lot more to learn the process. Very cool. Very cool. Awesome. Well, I think I covered everything on my list. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about? I think that's all. And I want to say one more thing. If you're feeling that this is another thing to learn and why are we learning this and why do we need to buy any other device? We can already do CTs and ultrasound-guided procedures. There's always more that you can do, and there are a lot of research areas that we can do with this device, and I think it really helps with the advanced cases and if you're interested in doing those kind of cases. Awesome. Dr. Ozen, thank you so much for coming and talking about this important topic on the show today. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe, rate the podcast five stars, and share with a friend. If you have any questions or comments, direct message us at at underscore Backtable on Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn. Backtable is produced and hosted by myself, Aaron Fritz, and co-hosts Chris Beck, Sabine Dong, Michael Barraza, and Ali Behetti. Our audio team is led by Kieran Gannon with support from Josh McWhorter. Aaron Bowles, Nick Shellcross, Josh Spencer, Design and Digital Marketing, led by Brian Schmitz, Social Media and PR by Anne Dang, Manisha Naganathanahali, and Manbir Singh Sabli. Administrative support provided by Jim Lui Kinnebrew. Intro and extra music is Ripperoo by Skeptic Moon. Find us on Spotify or at local live music venues in New Orleans, Louisiana. Thanks again for listening. 